Hello, my name's Mike. I'm the pastor at Watch It Baptist Church. You're watching WBC Online and you join us for the 10th and final part in our Being Church series. This part is looking at covenant. This is particularly relevant for us at WBC because of the importance that we place on covenant relationships and particularly the way that we commit to the church through one another and in uh, under the power and presence of Jesus. We're going to be looking at a couple of, or three actually in the end, bits of the New Testament. We'll be starting looking at Acts 2. Before we go any further in looking at those things, let's pray and commit this time to Jesus. Lord, we give ourselves into your hands, trusting that you will not simply uh, love us, though you do that generously, but that you will also challenge and inspire that you will reveal yourself as we let the Spirit speak into our hearts and minds. Would you do that in this time, we pray. Amen. I'm going to begin by reading from Acts 2, as promised. Uh, I'm reading verses 42 to 47. I'm reading from the NIV for this passage. And it's uh, talking about the church in its, in its newness, in its newest form after the day of Pentecost. So they, that's the new church, uh, the apostles and others, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm going to jump straight on to looking at uh, a few verses from 1 Corinthians 12. So this is verses 4 to 7, and this time reading from the New Living Translation, the NLT. And Paul, the Apostle, writes this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We have a church around us. Certainly if you're part of Watch It Baptist Church, that's your experience. And for many others who might be watching, being part of a church is kind of a normal part of how life works. In both those passages um, we read about, and when Luke writing in the first one and Paul in the second one, give us a sense of what it means to be in a community of disciples, a community of faith in Jesus, a Christian community. And I want us to think a little bit today about what it means for that community to function well, for it to um, live up to what it might be. Not so much in terms of what tasks it might achieve, or even in terms of what culture it might adopt, but much more in terms of how the people within it might function together. When I was younger, my dad was a big fan of reading me bedtime stories, and he kept doing that. It very much was something that my dad did more than my mum, although she did take her turns. But we had 
bedtime stories for years and then later on when my big and little sisters had both stopped having stories I was still getting them and my dad would read them to me and read all kinds of things read a lot of fiction but read some factual stuff too and I'd not really come across non-fiction writing before that one of the books he was really keen to read to me and I suspect it might have been because he wanted to read it himself was about the 1982 mountaineering expedition by British climbers to climb Mount Everest up the northeast ridge which hadn't before that been climbed or attempted since the 1930s. The sad thing was that this expedition wasn't successful either and more than unsuccessful two very well regarded climbers died on that attempt. The reason why I bring it up though is not to do with unsuccessful attempts but to do with the way in which that expedition was put together. So there were um, six people in that expedition. There were Chris Bonington, Pete Boardman, Joe Tasker, Charlie Clark, Adrian Gordon and Dick Renshaw. Dick Renshaw had two strokes on the mountain and wasn't part of the final attempt. Chris Bonington and Charlie Clark later wrote the book that my dad read to me. It was Pete Boardman and Joe Tasker who died. Charlie Clark was the doctor. And actually what was interesting about that and many other expeditions is the way in which they blend youth and experience, particular skills, particular aptitudes, things like having a doctor on the team, in order to get the best out of that expedition. One way of describing a covenant is something like this. It's an agreement in which there are shared responsibilities and benefits. In that case, the anticipated benefit was the achievement of reaching the summit of Everest up a route that hadn't been successfully completed at that time. It was some years later. But that idea of sharing responsibilities and benefits really does plug into our understanding of how covenant relationships work. And there are plenty of them around us. They're not limited to church. So marriage is a covenant relationship. It's built on promises and it comes with a sense of shared responsibilities and benefits. The same is easily understood when you look at the relationship, the covenant relationship that God had with Israel in the Old Testament. It does seem to me that most of the benefits there are things that God's people get, the people of Israel get the benefits mostly. But there is responsibility on both sides. Peace treaties and trade agreements work in a very similar way. People say, we promise we will do these things in this way. We take our responsibilities seriously. And as a result, um, there should be benefits on both sides. Even something as complicated and arduous as the agreement that marks the relationship between the EU and the UK after uh, Brexit is that kind of covenant relationship. Promises made on both sides and responsibilities shared. Baptism works like that too. God's covenant with his people, uh, right back to the time of Abraham, is a covenant that's mostly about saying, there's two sides to this. There's something I'm going to ask, says God, and there's something that I'm going to benefit you with. And we will both take responsibility. There's a difference between that and some of the other agreements that are probably more normally seen in our culture. We are not short of opportunity to become members of things. You can be a member of um, a supermarket loyalty card scheme. 
in that situation, there aren't really any responsibilities. What you do is you promise to spend your money and give some information about yourself. And in return, you get some bargains. You get some maybe additional opportunities to get things cheaply in places that aren't the supermarket. But broadly speaking, what you give is a, not exactly a promise, but an inclination to spend your money with that organisation. And in return, they might take some money off and, and ask you to spend a bit less. That's not really a covenant relationship. It's a membership, but not a covenant relationship. Similarly, um, there might be a club or society that you belong to. And when you sign up, you pay your money and you get to be part of something as long as you follow the rules uh, and perhaps you share experiences. Um, but there isn't the same sense of um, shared responsibilities and benefits. Covenant relationships are really important in churches, I believe. I came across this quote about church by a um, stand-up comic from the States from the late 50s and early 60s called Lenny Bruce. He's a very anarchic character, and I'm not sure that his particular brand of stand-up comedy would appeal so much to us, but he did say this. Every day, people are straying away from the church and going back to God. Perhaps you've come across some people who you feel might match that description. They don't really want to be part of church, but they do want to be part of what God has to offer. They're happy to have a relationship with God, but their experience of church is so negative or, or so um, uh, corrosive, maybe even toxic, or, or so, maybe just so placid and uneventful or, or something, makes church unappealing, even though God might be. I think it's worth us reflecting on that, but also then the flip side of it. So if if a mid-century American comic says people would rather know God but not involve the church, what does that tell us about what the church might need to be committed to, what it might need to stand for in order to get past that inclination? We trust the Lord Jesus. But perhaps we don't always present ourselves as a community of people determined to make Jesus visible in the places where we are. Gandhi famously said that if Christians actually lived by the teachings of Jesus, they would be a frighteningly powerful and attractive movement. Our covenant commitments, our covenant promises that we make at Watch It Baptist Church read something like this. Firstly, I commit to Jesus. Responding to your love for me, and we address this to God, I commit my life to you. You are my Lord, you are my Saviour, you are my example. Please help me to become more like you. In that promise, we honour Jesus, recognise who he is, choose to become more like him and recognise that we need help to do so. And we make that promise in front of other disciples who are also saying the same thing. Our second promise goes like this. I commit to the people in this church community you can say this is the WBC community of faith, community of disciples. And it goes on. Recognising that God wants us to live out our faith together and to encourage each other to become more like Jesus, I commit to serving God in this church community. Please disciple me, we say to one another, as I open my life to you. You are my community for discipleship, mission and worship in the coming year. I will live out the vision and values of this church in partnership 
with you. And the third of the promises goes like this. I commit to my neighbours in the world, and we address this symbolically to our communities. Joining in with God's loving mission and going, it says, I commit to sharing God's love with you in my attitudes, in my actions and in my words, and I will be good news in relationship with you. And we say that to the community around us and the world around us. Those that do and those that don't know Jesus. Those that are happy knowing God but would rather not be part of a church. When we make these kind of covenant commitments, we are declaring something to God and to each other about how we believe church ought to work. I'm going to take you back to Acts 2. Oh, I hadn't forgotten that we wrote from the Bible earlier. In Acts 2, that first verse that we read, verse 42, says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Interestingly, the NLT, when it says breaking of bread, talks about having meals together and remembering um, Jesus. And almost like there are two priorities there. And they devote themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship. Actually, being in fellowship with one another was a priority, enough of a priority that it was a devotional priority. They would do, devote themselves to doing this. This first example of an organised church, perhaps, has at its heart a commitment to one another, a determination to occupy the same space, sometimes physically, but certainly spiritually. And to lean on one another. Several of the uh, letter writers in the New Testament go on to talk about how that kind of committed relationship within a church among disciples might actually work. You've heard me say before that James goes as far as to say that in a healthy church, in a healthy um, discipleship community, they confess their sins to one another because they know each other that well. They trust each other that much. They are willing to be open about their failings with each other. The 1 Corinthians verses, this is chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. Uh, and it's the last verse that I'm going to dwell on for a moment. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The purpose of us being together and having that Holy Spirit living within us, being inhabited by the Holy Spirit, is to support one another. The covenant promise that we make when we make these, these commitments to one another, those promises are designed... For exactly the same reason that covenant promises are included in a marriage service. So at a wedding, husband and wife make promises to each other out of a recognition, and C.S. Lewis talks about this, out of a recognition that they won't always feel like being together, but they have made a commitment to do so. And so they will honour that commitment, they will live by that promise, they will stick with their covenant, they will take responsibility because they know that responsibilities and benefits are both involved in a covenant agreement. So I want to go on from there, but I have quickly just moved. First, the sun is starting to shine through the leaves of the tree in front of me and blinding me a little bit, so I've moved a little bit to try and get past that. I'm going to just quickly jump across to Romans 12, 4-7. I'm going to read this in the NLT again, um, and I will have to turn the page part way through. You will hear rustling of paper. So Paul writes this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts 
of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You see how Paul in those verses makes it really clear that God intends to give ability, aptitude, passion for various things to people in churches so that they might support each other. Not everybody is a natural encourager. I am sure you've met some folks around you where you can say, yes, I recognise that they're not that, but they will have an alternative gift they're bringing. And that gift might be logistics, the, the ability to, to make sure things happen in the right order at the right time so that the goal is achieved. It, it might be um, event management, you know, the ability to to put something on to make it happen. Not everyone in the church is good at that. Perhaps over the years we've assumed that everybody would be and that everybody would be up for putting an event on because they'd all want to, because they'd all feel passionate about it. Some people go, ugh, at that idea. Some people are good at writing things that appeal to others. Poetry or prayers or ways of explaining things. Please excuse me enthusiastic dog off to my left there are so many different things that different people bring and when we try to flatten out character and make everyone kind of more or less the same kind of christian we lose so much of the color the, the gorgeousness the the variety the spectrum of personality that god has intended to give to us I'm going to take a quote again, this time not from a mid-century stand-up comic, but from a later century musician, Sting, who, if you don't know who he is, uh, was the lead singer for the police in the 80s and went solo after that, um, said this, I was brought up as a Catholic and went to church every week and took the sacraments. It never really touched the core of my being. And that makes me sad. It makes me sad, regardless of the Catholic bit, it makes me sad because it is possible to be in and around a church and for the church to assume that there's something about being, turning up, that is going to make a difference, rather than people explaining and encouraging and walking with and standing by and listening, all those things that are part of how the Holy Spirit enables people folks to engage with faith now, it could just be simply that sting you know is a, a little bit hard-hearted or has been hurt or um you know has had some other bad experience or, or some other reason for not wanting to engage and, and that's possible but i think also there are folks out there who who have for years turned up even called themselves christian and have never actually known god touch their hearts change their lives transform their personality grow their character and that's really sad and we, we don't want to be, I say, we on behalf of all of us with great confidence, we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be the kind of church where transformation does happen, where we experience being different, where all of those different capabilities and, and priorities and passions that people bring, that God has given to them, 
shape who we are together. That can't be done unless we're willing to be ourselves. In our pattern of church just now, in our shape, we have perhaps greater opportunities to do that because rather than each individual being a personality who might have an influence on a group of 50, we now have individuals who might have an impact on a group of 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 18. There is more room now for our personality to express itself, for it to make a difference to those around us. And I trust that we still have large enough groups of people that there are different personality traits and different passions that shape the way we do things. That has to be the heart of how our community of faith operates. That we make space for the passions that exist, the skills that are present, the priorities that we hold dear. There has to be space for those to be expressed where we currently are. And if we are sharing responsibility and benefit, then we are absolutely saying, in, in Jesus' name, we will put ourselves out there where the people are who we know or who we care about or who are in situations that, that call to us. And that in our willingness to work together in covenant, we will be Jesus in those situations. I'm also struck by the idea, just going back to that sting thing, that lots of people uh, in churches or on the fringes of churches have looked for it to be a place of, of magic. You know, the, the, the right magic words or magic moment in a life um, or the right magic song lyrics or musical presentation might make something suddenly change. And that does happen. The spirit does work in that way. But if we rely on that kind of magic moment, um, then, well, these these covenant promises aren't then needed are they and that intention that god has to bring us together in ways that complement and support and encourage each other that's not needed either and we're effectively saying to jesus that his design for how church works isn't needed because the magic will take care of it i think it's important not to get stuck looking for the magic to work but instead to trust to commitments and rhythms and um it's a pattern and the faithfulness of the community around us in order that the things Jesus built might stay as strong as he intended them to be. They won't be eroded by our lack of participation. In understanding this idea of covenant and participation in the church, um, uh, a connection, has a comparison has been drawn, parallel maybe, with the idea of partners in a law firm or a, in a GP practice that those partners are participating in how that organisation operates. They make decisions together. They are invested in what it's doing. They represent that organisation wherever they go. They are, in their communities, the face of that organisation. And I think that's a really helpful way of us understanding what participation and partnership means as we think about these covenant commitments. Finally, these covenant commitments come from the reality of where we are. Different people are going to be able to bring different things, not just in terms of skills and personality, but in terms of stages of life. So for those who's, who've seen their world fall apart, um, and maybe they've lost a job, or their family have, have detached from them, or whatever it might be, 
Um, if they, they come wanting to commit to this community, this covenant community of faith, it may be that the most they can do is say, look, I'm intending to walk with you guys and I want to be participating. But that is only going to mean this much for now. And there needs to be an ability for us to say, that's okay, we can, we can work with that. We want to care for you and walk with you through it. Similarly, it may be that and folks might only be around for a year or two or five or, or ten, but that they say, while I'm here, I will give the best of my discipleship life to the community of disciples around me. I will forge that commitment and connection that we might honour Jesus in how we go about this together and how we go about being a covenant community. With all of that in mind, whether or not you are already part of Watch It Baptist Church, whether you have been for years or you feel like you've only just arrived or something in between, I would encourage you to think through this um, way of presenting our covenant community. If you believe and trust in Jesus, and if you intend to participate in the life of this community of faith, I'd encourage you to join this covenant to make those commitments with me and with others and to be part of how we walk together even if it's only for the time being and to do so in the name of Jesus in the power of the Spirit and under the protection of the Father. Let's pray. Lord we put ourselves in your care. We recognise that you intend disciples to work in community together. Would you uphold us, uplift us and bind us? Would you help us to make those promises with integrity and to keep them? And would you make us um, a great witness for your priorities in the world around us today? Amen. Okay, I've moved again. The sunshine is just catching my eye quite a bit. Uh, so just while we look at these three questions, this is where I'm going to be stood. For those of you who haven't already recognised this environment behind me, I'm at the Holy Well, just down behind St. Decumens. So three questions. Number one, what are you bringing to this community of faith? What in your personality or your skill set and your experience is going to be positive as a contribution to this group of disciples in how we go forward. Question two, how can you recommit yourself to God's church? Well, in this context at Watch It Baptist Church, that means uh, in lots of ways saying, yeah, I'll be in this covenant. I will share responsibility and benefit with those around me. You know, that the question ultimately is, what's, what is it that you're going to bring? What are you going to offer? Um, how are you going to recognise that, that the Spirit has given you something that can then be passed on for the benefit of others? Remember that um, phraseology from 1 Corinthians 12, that where the Spirit gives a gift, gives it for the benefit of everyone. So how are we to employ who we have been made to be by Jesus in a way that will support this church that you are in? Question three, what's stopping you? 
Is there in some way something that, that means that although you make these commitments that you hold back somehow? Is it that you don't want to make the commitments? Is there some area of fear or, or bad experience? Have you at some point been hurt by a church? What's stopping you? And if perhaps you've been part of this church for a long time, is there something new that Jesus wants you to give? Is there some fresh expression of your faithfulness in this covenant community that you can offer? So kind of what's stopping you, whether it's that you're not yet in this community or whether it's that you are, but you feel you might go further. What is it you think that might be stopping you? Well, that's it from me. It would seem that several insects have started finding their way into my hair. I had to keep uh, resisting the urge just to scratch a lot. Um, so I'm going to sign off at this point. I'm going to pray uh, and then I'll leave you um, with a blessing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for building the church, for creating this institution, this movement, this uh, vehicle for your grace and your goodness in the world. We thank you for all the ways in which we have known the church to be a support to us. And we pray that by committing ourselves to it, that we would be able to express that same encouragement to others. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest on us just now, in the hours ahead and in the days to come too. Amen. God bless.